And so one of the best things that we can do as salespeople, one of the best things we can do is we can show up without those preconceived notions and show up and say, you know what? I truly want to serve this person. But the best way for me to serve them is to get on the call, to be my absolute best, to bring my energy and get them to participate, right? And also to exercise the art and skill of enrollment because you first must be enrolled before you can enroll that other person. We are not telling you to quit your job. Here at Off The Clock, the Healthcare Entrepreneurs Podcast, we are teaching you exactly how to gain your freedom as a healthcare professional in places that school never taught you. This is OTC University and class is in session. Welcome to another edition of Off the Clock, the Healthcare Entrepreneur Podcast. As always, I am the captivating, motivating, tentilating, and money-making Mr. Carl Moore Jr. And I'm joined by my main man, Mr. Paulo Ching. Paul, say what's up to the people. What up? What up? What up? I'm not playing any music today for the listeners, just in case you think your speakers are going to explode today. You're lucky. But what up? I'm glad to be here. My boy, always good to see you, man. Without further ado, guys, you know how we like to do every week. We love to bring you special guests that improve your business, improve your brand, really improve your life. Of course, this week is no exception. With that being said, very excited to talk to today's guest. She is a career mentor and educator, speaker, and neuroscience expert. And she helps career-driven professionals earn more, be more, love more, and have more in their work and life. She's on a mission to redefine modern education, teaching men and women how to unlock true vocational confidence and master their professional destinies. If that's not a fire intro, I don't know what else to tell you guys. But without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and introduce our lovely guest for today. We have Dr. Grace Lee. Doc, thank you so much for joining us. How you feeling? Carl, I am utterly fantastic, and I am even more so now that I'm talking to you and to Paul. You guys are amazing. You're on fire. I am so honored just to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. The pleasure is ours. So um, we like to be respectful of your time, right? And with that being said, we always like to start off with why. So just right off the gate, tell us, like, why did you choose to pursue the field of neuroscience and how did that lead you to where we are now? I love starting with why, right? Simon Sinek's wise words. My why was because when I was eight years old, my nuclear family, so my parents and my older brother, we were involved in a car accident. My mother was driving at that time. It was a head-on collision at high speeds. She was in a coma and she passed away. So I'm eight years old. You know, They told me that my mom didn't make it. And I just couldn't understand why doctors couldn't help her. Because as a, through the eyes of an eight-year-old, I thought that, well, doctors cure people. We, they fix bodies. Why couldn't they help her? So the seed of neuroscience was actually planted in, my, in, in me a long time ago. And myself, when I, I wasn't also involved in that car accident, I was the second most injured. I had, a, I had broken my neck. So I had a cervical dislocation. I nearly ended up to be a quadriplegic. I was so close 
to being a quadriplegic. Fortunately, I didn't have a spinal cord injury, but my recovery was very long. I did have to learn to walk again. I had to wait for I got to get my sensory and motor control back. I did go through all of that, but my mum and I, our, both of our experiences were neuroscience related. So the seed was planted a long time ago. And that is my why. I, I didn't want to be the, I didn't want to sit around and saying that, well, to be a physician and say that, well, there's nothing we can do for them. I wanted to be involved in the research to come up with new methodologies to help people who couldn't currently be helped by medical care. I love that, especially just because, you know, I grew up, my dad's in research as well. Um, but he's one of those guys that like approves your research at the university. Um, but you know, just because I, I, I love, especially that you mentioned that just because of how important it is, um, to have people on that side, I always think that there's this fanfare of, um, like a lot of my siblings, they want to go to med school to be neurosurgeons. There's a fanfare about it, but none of that can occur without the work that you do. I want to ask you a question just to kind of follow up a little bit, because, you know, you are Dr. Grace Lee. So as we're reading up on you, we saw that, you know, you did receive your PhD, but there was a shift as you were doing it where you were like, well, something, something's kind of like different here. Like maybe this is not what I want to do. Kind of talk to us about that a little bit. That I didn't want to continue in neuroscience research. Right. And, and you're right. You're right. And it, I didn't notice it until later on. So now I'm committed. I did my master's degree and my PhD in neuroscience. And I'm like more than halfway through my PhD. That's when I had this rude awakening. Neuroscience research is not as glamorous as TV and media and people make it out to be. There's a lot of time spent in the lab, in the dark microscope room, you know, where the windows are boarded up or taped up with duct tape. And there's a lot of time spent alone analyzing data. And I just realized that there's so much inside of me that I wanted to, to speak on. I wanted to get out there and meet people. I wanted to be doing something more dynamic and, and less routine. I wanted to be more in terms of downstream and helping the people I want to help. Because even in research, it takes years before my findings or scientific findings are applied to the patients we want to help. I just felt like what I was doing put such a small dent and it was so far upstream of the end users. I wanted to be a little bit more farther downstream, having direct impact on people I wanted to serve. And so it was just less fulfilling and I couldn't figure out why. And I also couldn't figure out what do I do next? Right. But the, but also the new seed of wanting that influence and wanting to change lives was implanted when I passed my comprehensive exam, my PhD comprehensive exam. And that was when I realized that I don't think I want to do research anymore. Right. I, I, I didn't want to be to do lab research anymore. That was how it happened. Yeah. OK. 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 Now, I'm, we like to jump around with a few topics. No here. worries. But, you know, I know that. Just with the company you surrounded with, you know, I know you also have some powerhouse mentors, right? So as you were going through your journey, the, the question I have to ask really comes down to, and this is where I really want to start to get into the meat um, of things. But what was that like being able to come to the realization, hey, mentors are going to be a key part of my journey? Because I know a lot of people, um, just yesterday I saw somebody post on uh, their Instagram story, this gentleman that we've had on the podcast, that over the last 30 days, he's invested $90,000 into himself and his business, right? And it's the, it's the concept of people being so afraid to take those steps, invest themselves. We'll go out there and we'll invest in Amazon every day, ordering things left and right. But when it comes to investing in us, 
we get so scared, right? So what was that process like for you realizing that, hey, mentorship is necessary to get into where I want to go to? And what steps did you actually take to get to that point? That's a really great question. Such an excellent question. I didn't even know that mentors existed. I didn't know that you could go out there and have a mentor to guide you, to hold you accountable, to give you a kick in the butt once in a while. I didn't even know that existed. And I didn't have the mental model to think about it. So all along, when I realized that I don't want to be doing research anymore, it was this, oh my goodness moment, what do I do next? So I fumbled my way, I left the lab research, and I got my first job after a PhD. And in and I was working at the hospital, this time more on the clinical side, working with patients with brain trauma, as opposed to working in a, they call it a wet, wet lab research, which is, which is chemicals, flasks, right? I was no longer in that environment. I was in a hospital setting. You know, it was still research, but it was clinical. And all of a sudden, I meet this mentor who is in the Department of Neurology, and she just stepped up into the role. I didn't ask. She stepped up into the role because she saw potential and she saw enthusiasm that she told me that she didn't really see in a lot of, you know, interns or a lot of people with who freshly graduated from their PhD. And because of her, she gave me a different way of thinking about my career path that I never thought of before. And she also had access to other individuals who had key influence on what opportunities could be available to me. That's when I realized that these strategic partnerships is not just about teaching you what you don't know, but there's also access. There's also their network, which then becomes your infinite network. And I realized then that I shouldn't be doing this alone, right? Because if I do this alone, my best thinking got me where I am right now. My best thinking got me where I'm at right now, but I'm not happy with where I'm at right now. So my best thinking is not going to get me there where I really want to be. It was then when I had that aha moment. And it was after that, that I decided I'm going to start and I'm going to begin investing in mentors from now on. She was, she, she was not a mentor that I paid for. She was a mentor that I worked closely with, but she was very gracious to step up, to give me 360. She called it, her, this was her term. She called it 360 mentoring. And it was just an, an amazing relationship. Yeah. So I want to, we're going to come back to, to, to this, this mentorship aspect of things, but I kind of want to backtrack a little bit because I want the, I want the listeners to really get a sense of who you are and how amazing what you're doing is. And so one of the questions that I have for you is, could you kind of describe for us, you know, when, when, when people hear neuroscience, right, like they may not fully understand what all that incorporates. So could you describe to us like what this neuroscience is and um, also how you've been able to incorporate those principles into your life as an entrepreneur as well? Absolutely, Carl, that's an excellent question. So I'm going to give my distinctions on neuroscience, what it is, and I am not going to give a textbook definition. I'm going to give you Dr. Grace Lee's distinction of what is neuroscience. <laughs> neuroscience is really understanding why we do the things that we do, right? Because there is a physiology, there are programmings, there's conditioning, and all of those put together, you know, points us towards the feelings that we feel, the thoughts that we think of, the beliefs that we have, and therefore the actions that we take that produce the outcomes that we experience in our life, right? So to me, neuroscience is understanding why we think that way, why we believe that way, why we react that way, why we, why we feel that way, and therefore why we choose that way, 
right? And so when you understand that neuroscience of it, that's when you can make better decisions. That's when you can think differently and therefore make better decisions that serve you towards the outcomes that you want. That is what neuroscience means to me, right? And this took years of honing, years of finding a way to apply my knowledge into this field that I could help other people. Because the school never taught me that. I have been in college for nine years, three degrees in nine years. I didn't spend a single day in a college classroom and no, none of my professors or teachers taught me how to make money from what I know. None of them taught me that, right? So it wasn't until I re recognized that the, the whole purpose of learning in college or self-education, the whole purpose of learning is not just to gather more knowledge. And that's what we believe. Like That's what the school system programs us to believe, that learning is just to gather more knowledge. But no, the purpose of learning is to achieve mastery in something. right? And, but we master it when we live it. That's how we know we've mastered it. We are living that. Right. And so it was a, when I finally figured out how to apply, right, because developing mastery means you develop a skill, but you don't develop skill until you have wisdom in it. And wisdom is the application of knowledge. And so when I figured out finally how to apply what I know, which is neuroscience, that was when I could really, really contribute to my fullest potential in helping the people that I serve. So thank you for that question. Absolutely. Thank you for that answer. That was a phenomenal way to answer it. So I'm sitting here and I'm listening to what you're saying. And for me, I'm like putting, putting the healthcare part of my brain on pause for a second and the, letting the entrepreneur run free, right? And I'm hearing what you're saying. And for me, it sounds like a lot of very powerful and useful stuff to use from a standpoint of knowing people's psychology so you can know your target market, right? You can know what your audience is looking for. You can know what their interests are. You can know how to sell to them, right? And so I, I, I love that. And because of that, I also want to ask you this follow-up because I think this is such a, this is such a like underrated thing that I think a lot of entrepreneurs miss. And that's that aspect of really being able to know who your avatar is, you know? And so with that being said, for someone who is listening to this and they say, wow, like Dr. Grace Lee is just killing it. Like, I would love to know how I can be able to apply these same kind of principles, you know, in my own business, working through that human psychological standpoint. So what would be your top three resources that you would say would be good for entrepreneurs to dive into, to be able to better understand this, that psychological component behind being able to really appeal to their target market. Absolutely. They're not so much resources, but I would say they're more principles and strategies. I love that question, by the way. So I do also work with entrepreneurs. Right. In your introduction, you talked about me as a career coach, but there's also this other side of me as a business coach, showing people how to 2x, 3x, 10x their business as entrepreneurs and really serve their clients. So now I'm going to wear that hat. I'm not I'm not wearing the hat of a career coach anymore. I'm wearing the hat of a of a business coach. OK, so it's more about principles and strategies. One of the most important things you can do is be really good at uncovering the value that you have to offer in your offer to your clients. But the only way you can do that is if you can understand what your clients value. So the principle is this. It is to get really good at asking the right questions 
to understand what their what they perceive to be their challenges because therefore what they're essentially doing is when they answer your questions the more strategic they are the more the more honed they are when they answer their their questions guess what they're doing they're telling you exactly how to sell them on their offer they're telling you exactly what they value they're giving you all the content in order to to vocalize what's important to them and here's the principle behind that why this works this is a this is a neuropsychology principle is that if you can then state the problem summarize the problem and articulate it better than they can they will already believe that you have the solution to what they're looking for they will already believe it they'll already trust you they'll already feel like you get me you resonate with me some for some reason you know what i i, I trust you because you are entering that conversation exactly the way they're saying it in, in their mind. And most of the times when they're, when they're suffering, when people are suffering, when they've been suffering for a long time, trying a bunch of things and it didn't work, you know, most of the time people don't know how to articulate what they need. We're not taught how to talk about our needs. We're, talk, we're taught how to vent. We're taught how to talk about the problems. We're taught how to complain about why this didn't work, why that didn't work. But we're not taught how to be articulate and communicate what we need. So if you step in through the content they give you and you provide the context of what they need, they're going to already believe that you have to have the solution. So that's the first principle is being able to ask key questions. The second thing is what I call a confident closing dose, D-O-S-E. And confident closing dose, what that is, is that understanding the way that we make decisions. There's a neuroscience behind that. And the way that we make decisions is in a sequence that has been very well researched in neuroscience, but it involves four very powerful neurochemicals, D-O-S-E. D is dopamine, O is oxytocin, S is serotonin, right? And E is endorphins. So when you're having that sales conversation or before the sales conversation, when you are putting out marketing messages, right, you got to appeal to all four of these neurochemicals because these neurochemicals are responsible for all of our feelings and therefore the actions that we take, right? So that those are the principles I would say. So it's not so much resources, it's really understanding it on a principles level, right? Because if I give resources, sometimes we like resources are so abundant, overabundant everywhere. But if it was just resources that could create a transformation, then how come n not everyone is building six-figure, six seven-figure businesses, right? How come you can have a health and fitness resource, but not everybody can have a six-pack of abs and, and, no and, and doing what it takes to be healthy? Because resources are just information, and information does not create a transformation. So that is why I give a principles-level response. Thanks for that question, Carl. That was really a great question. I, I am in love with that statement. And here's why I, I remember, I'm not sure if it's Tony Robbins who said it, but you know, it could have been, or this might've been a conversation I was having, but it came down to like, how just like that, the resources, right? How many books out there have been written on how to <laughs> make a lot of money, just baseline. You know, um, just read a book by Daniel Moran, 12 months to 1 million, where he literally lays out, hey, if you want to make a million bucks in 12 months, these are the exact steps you need to take. Mm -hmm. And what's powerful about what you just said is just because that is out there, but yet people need to go and have somebody kind of walk them through it. Just because when you have resources, but no direction, no intuitive 
understanding of how to go about it, then it's just stuff. Exactly. No? It's because, and here's, here's what it is. And I could break it down to one sentence is because these resources, the books and the YouTube videos, for example, tell you what to do, but they don't show you how to do it. And so that's why coaching mentorship, someone who is two steps ahead, you know, 10, two to 10 steps ahead can show you how to do it and empower you to do it and help you handle the mindset, you know, the, the emotions that come up with becoming the person you need to become to do it. So that's why that is key. Cause a lot of times we give up. A lot of times we get discouraged. A lot of times we know what to do. We just don't know how to do it. So then we're still doing it, figuring out ourselves. And then there's that trial and error, right? And not knowing whether or not this is the right thing according to what we learned on the resource about what to do. Right. So thank you for that, Paul. I do have a um, follow-up question for you. And, you know, it's based off an interesting conversation I had today. I have a friend who is working on their thesis um, in film school. And as we were talking, um, she mentioned like she's going through the uncomfortable part of crowdfunding mm -hmm. because she feels like she's begging people for money. Right. And the question I have, you know, especially like you mentioned a few things. And I think even when it comes to like selling, people tend to feel I'm, I'm dirty. Like Ugh. I feel like I'm just doing people like a car salesman. What would you say is maybe one of the biggest myths when it comes to people, you know, having that relationship or exchange where they'll give, you know, value or they'll solve a problem in exchange for money. What would you say is one of the biggest misconceptions that people tend to think, oh, this is why I can't sell or this is why I can't do this, this and that versus what it really is? Yeah, I love that question. I think, okay, there's many misconceptions, but you're asking me for the biggest one. Right. So I would say the biggest one about why entrepreneurs believe they can't sell. The biggest misconception is they believe that they're selling to the wrong person. Wait, wrong person, meaning that um, they can't afford it or that, oh, they just are. Um, they're just in this demographic that can't afford things that won't afford things that isn't used to spending money. And so it's all about the, the market. It's about all about that person. And I believe that that's the biggest misconception. Right. And. Here's the thing, when that happens, when we put, the reason why it's a misconception is then because essentially what we're doing as entrepreneurs, if we're, if we're let's say we're getting on a, on a sales call with someone and it's a discovery call, strategy session, you know, whatever they call it, and they're, you're face to face with someone, with a prospect now, and then when you bring that in, that misconception in, what happens is that now you're giving them, you're making excuses for them about why they can't afford it, why they're not going to do it, why they're not the type of person. You're making excuses for them. And then what happens is that, sure enough, you show up. It's going to be, how, it's going to be reflected in how you show up. It's going to be reflected in how, in how much energy and how much care you put into asking the right questions because you're coming in already with that preconceived notion of them. And so one of the best things that we can do as salespeople, one of the best things we can do is we can show up without those preconceived notions and show up and say, you know what? I truly want to serve this person. But the best way for me to serve them is to get on the call, to be my absolute best, to bring my energy and get them to participate, right? And also to exercise the art and skill of enrollment because you first must be enrolled before you can enroll that other person. Love that question, Paul. So I kind of 
was thinking as you as you were speaking you know like first off you're dropping a bunch of gems so thank you for that but I really just am, am, am sitting here and thinking about like it's really incredible like for you to be who you are using these principles in neuroscience to help you know combat like any kind of issues that you can have as far as from a psychological standpoint being an entrepreneur and so a question that I want to ask you this is more catered to the listeners that are going to be on here saying you know for me my biggest thing is not being able to invest right they may be saying like not being able to invest in themselves right and for you as Paul was saying previously you've invested money to be able to have these amazing mentors show you the ropes and teach you these things and for some entrepreneurs that's kind of a hard thing to do right they they think like oh I'll just watch some YouTube videos I'll just google some stuff but they really miss, you know, the benefits that can really come from investing into a mentor. And so I wanted to ask you, are there any specific like neuroscience principles that kind of explain why it is that they may have those thoughts and how they can kind of combat those so that they make the investment they need to take their business to the next level? Yeah, absolutely. Carl, that's a really great question. It's also a very complex question. It's very complex. And here's why it's complex, because when somebody is in that place and they've never invested in themselves before, right, there's fears associated in doing so. There's also preconceived notions as to why it's not it's not going to work, right? It's not going to work for me. Maybe they've even seen evidence of it working for other people. But the belief is that, well, it may work for them, but you know what? It's not going to work for me. But at the same time, there's also a belief in their lack of financial resources. And that is standing in the way as well. So there's a lot of complexity as to why, why, those, why that exists, right? And so what I would say, if you are listening to this or if you are watching this and you're in this space where you're thinking, okay, there are coaches out there. I've been trying to figure this out thing out by myself and I am not receiving any substantial or material results that I was really hoping to achieve but you know what I don't have the savings or but you know what I am not that person I am me and I don't know if I can I don't know if it'll work for me if those if that is what you're thinking then I encourage you to ask yourself what is it costing you not to invest in a mentor and coaching how much time has it costed you so far how much mental resources has it cost you so far trying to figure this out yourself? And how has it started to affect your self-confidence? How has it started to affect your belief in the vision you wanted to create? How is it affecting your relationships around you? Right? Because sometimes we are so focused on it's not going to work, all the reasons why it's not going to work, when all we need is one reason why it will work. All we need is one reason why it will work. And that takes care of all the reasons why it won't, right? But then, they, but then that reason must come from you. It doesn't matter how many reasons I give you about why coaching is going to work, why it is shortcuts the learning curve. It doesn't matter because if I said it, 
You can disagree with me. You can block me out. Right? But if you sought, if you earnestly sought for yourself and one reason why it will work, because you said it, because you came up with that reason, that is going to be louder than anything I can ever say. Not louder than anyone, anything anyone could say because it came from you. And so I would encourage you, like, don't you owe it to yourself to find the answer to that question? Because what if everything on the other side of that question is all the things that you could want for your life, for your family, for yourself? That was, <laughs> that was amazing. Oh my goodness. Okay. Okay. Had to gather my thoughts for a second. So we have a segment that we do uh, that's called Black Health, where we essentially kind of talk about some disparities going on, like in the African-American community with health and things like that. So we're going to do that segment real quick, and then I'll let Paul hop into his question, because I can see from over here, he's, he's got a question for you. But um, just wanted to go ahead and say, uh, guys, for today's Black Health segment, among people ages 65 and older, African-Americans have the highest prevalence of Alzheimer's disease and related dementias, followed by Hispanics, non-Hispanic whites, American India, Alaska Natives, and Asian and Pacific Islanders. Now, with Alzheimer's, guys, you can see poor judgment and decision-making. They're unable to make a budget, losing track of dates or season, difficulty having conversations, as well as misplacing things and being unable to retrace steps to locate. So some kind of preventative measures that I want to just lay out for you guys. And you know that this is the physical therapist in me saying this. And you guys know how much I love to say movement is medicine. But it's also been stated and researched to find that physical activity should be recommended to these adults with normal cognition, right, to help reduce the risk of cognitive decline. And it's very important to make sure that you include recreational or leisure time for the physical activity. Um, aerobic activity in bouts of at least 10 minutes would be great. So movement is medicine. Um, I want you guys to make sure that you are educating yourselves about these diseases and these things that, you know, can come up because they can happen to any of us, you know, so that is our Black Health segment for today. So once again, as always, movement is medicine. Paul, go ahead, bro. Absolutely. So Dr. Grace, um, I have two final questions for you as we wrap up. And they're a little bit more on the fun side. Uh, I always like to ask this one, the first one, just because I'm just curious to see where people's minds are at. Um, but if you, Dr. Grace Lee, could invent the next big thing, any industry, whatever it could be, it doesn't matter where it is. What would that thing be for you? Invent the next best thing. Are you referring to a physical product or it doesn't matter? It could be whatever you want it to be. Wow. That's the you realize, Paul, that could be a very dangerous question. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> That's why I said it's my favorite one. It's dangerous in, in many different ways. It's dangerous because then, depending on who's answering, they may reveal something that, you know, some of the, the deepest thoughts <laughs> and tell reveal a little bit more about ourselves than we care to, to reveal. 
I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Okay. If wow, if I could invent anything in the world, what would it be and why? Right. I think this is may this may sound kind of odd. The first thing that came up to me for, came up for me, and again, I know there's going to be a lot of repercussions. But one of the thoughts I had in the past, I don't know if you guys have ever seen the movie Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, with Kate Winslet. Actually, I have. You have right. There's that machine. Yeah. <laughs> right. There's a machine. Okay. So for those of you who have、uh, have not seen it, there's a machine that you go inside the machine as a, a patient, and then the operators can you choose exactly what memories you know or thoughts that you want to delete from your mind, and then it's very selective, very precise as well. Then those ones will disappear, right? And and. I've been I've had this thought ever since I thought the move I I saw the movie which is quite an old movie, mind you I don't think about it every day but if there was something that I hoped that I at one point wished I could invent it was a machine like that, because here's the thing, why it's so powerful is that sometimes there are traumatic events in our life, there are there are thoughts that keep coming up for some reason that are that prevent us from becoming stepping into our greatness, and. A part of mindset rewiring is that repetition that we go through to rewire to rewire it, right? So if there was a machine like that that could automatically create those rewiring of the of of the of our of our neural clusters, that would be absolutely amazing, right? But of course, it's like on on one hand, it it sounds like it's not it's not possible. It's it's a fictional movie. But on the other hand, it is also like the lazy way out because then you don't have to do the work. <laughs> That makes sense. The quick, the quick fix. Oh man,、yeah. I love that. I love that question. I love that answer as well. Let me answer the last question. It's also a little bit on the fun side, but just to kind of get、um, an idea, right? If you could create this monument, right?、Um, Doctor Lee's biggest、um, ins- inspirations, mentors, or like, who would you place? We like to call it the Mount Rushmore, right? So, who would be on Dr. Lee's Mount Rushmore? A monument.、Mm-hmm. If I could create a huge monument, or whoever like has inspired you or had an influence that led you being where you are today, right? To give light to. <laughs> could it instead of a monument? Could it be like this, this miniature city, you know, where people go into it? And not a maze per se, but like a mini city that you go into it, and it creates this these these emotions and experiences where you get to it stimulates your imagination, and you go through room to room in or not room, like、uh, intersection to intersection in the city, and you get experiences from cultures around the world, you know,、um, experiences of tastes and textures around the world, and it really expands your mindset. Everybody who visits it expands the mindset on what is possible. So stimulating because there are some people who aren't tra- aren't able or aren't well traveled, and one of the most important things that I believe to put in our experiences in life is to experience the way other people do thing, do things, the way other people, you know, the way different cultures, different languages, different ways of life, and that really enriches our life experiences, and it really. You know, makes it makes a person more accepting. It makes a person 
have different equips a person with different ways of handling situations so there could be not one monument but kind of like on the top of that mount rushmore you said some sort of a, of a city that was built that allowed someone to travel like that and have those experiences that would be great i am mind blown i have <laughs> never heard anybody answer that question like that before in my mind I, it's just it's I'm, it's blowing my mind. Um, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for answering that. And uh, to our listeners, you know what else blows our minds here at OTC? Let me tell y'all. These t-shirts, right? Listeners, we're trying to put y'all on. I don't know what else I got to say to get you to look fly. Here's what you got to do. Text the word SHIRT to 321-384-6275. I have the black, if you're watching on YouTube, which I hope you were, I have the black on, Carl's black on, we have the white, we have the gray, we happen to have the red. And if you're in our text community, you might hear about something that Carl and I are working on to try to get together for y'all. Because some of us live in the warm weather and some of y'all live in the north. So for y'all north folks, we know the sun's not out. So we have something for y'all. Text the word SHIRT to 321-384-6275. As well as text the word STUDY GUIDE. Here's what it is. You listened to the episode today, it blew your mind. You're like, I cannot believe I got to hear all these things, but you did not take notes. That's why we take them for you. So in order to get the notes, to take it, apply it, and learn from it, text the word study guide to 321-384-6275. Again, that's study guide to 321-384-6275. Thank you for that segue, Paul. Doc, that was fire. Thank you so much for dropping all those gems that you dropped on us today. Um, And to our lovely listeners, please, please go hit Dr. Grace Lee up and tell her how much you enjoyed this episode, because I can't wait to go back and listen to it once it's done and it's edited, because there were just so many gems that you dropped. Let me ask you, for anyone who is listening and this is their first time being exposed to you but they're interested in being able to connect with you or follow your journey what would be some contact or social media information you would want to leave with them oh carl thank you so much for asking really appreciate your your energy here in the room that's fantastic there's a couple of ways to get a hold of me one way is to follow me on clubhouse Right. Clubhouse is also an opportunity for us to have a direct conversation if we're in the same room. And I start rooms, I'm in rooms very frequently. So my Clubhouse handle is simply Dr. Grace Lee. And that is also my name on YouTube. My YouTube channel is also Dr. Grace Lee. So those are great channels to get a hold of me. And on my YouTube channel, there's all my social handles there, as well as LinkedIn and Instagram, right? It's just Dr. Grace Lee through and through to be consistent. So thank you so much for inviting me here. I've really had a great time chatting with you. Absolutely. The pleasure was ours. To our lovely listeners, guys, you know what time it is in the episode. It is time to say ta-ta for now. With that being said, if you enjoy this episode, please do us a favor. Yes, you know I'm going to say it. I always say it because you keep on texting me. Don't text me anymore. Don't text Paul anymore. Send all of the good and positive reviews that you have to the reviews on Apple Podcasts. Just go on Apple Podcasts, scroll all the way down to the bottom for OTC, hit the five stars, 
leave a two to three sentence review on why you think our episodes are powerful. Guys, I know it gets redundant. We keep saying it, but we keep saying it because we really want other people to see the value that so many of y'all have been seeing since we started this over a year and some change ago. So with that being said, Dr. Grace Lee, thank you, thank you, thank you from me and Paul and our extended OTC family. We greatly appreciate you. And to our lovely listeners, until next time, peace, many blessings. Thank you for listening to another episode of Off the Clock. Don't be shy to leave a review and subscribe to the podcast. See you next episode.